Hello, you're listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. Who am I? I'm going on my 30th year of marriage to my lovely wife, Michelle. I'm a father of six, a lawyer, a big fan of St. Joan of Arc Parish and School, University of Illinois, Marquette, University of Portland, University of Notre Dame, and an amateur coach. But I'm also a business owner and entrepreneur. On this podcast, I sit down with interesting people and business professionals across the nation who are making a big impact in their communities. I want to find out how they got started and what we can learn from them. I hope you enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe and share your thoughts by leaving a review. Good morning. We're here with David Meyer. David, how are you this morning? Good morning, Joe. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Hey, listen, um, I, I know that um, we're speaking over the lines today, and so um, this will be a nice time to uh, catch up. Um, the first thing I want to ask you, uh, David, if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and, and uh, tell us where you're from. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. My name is David Meyer. My law firm is Meyer Wilson. We have six lawyers uh, based in Columbus, Ohio, with offices in California, Michigan, and Ohio. And uh, I'm primarily an investment fraud lawyer. So my team as investment fraud lawyers represents investors who have claims against uh, financial advisors uh, for investment misconduct. Wow. So um, let's talk about that journey here. Where, where are you originally from, David? Yes, sir. I grew up in a small city in West Virginia. So I grew up in West Virginia. My father was a personal injury lawyer. In fact, uh, he continues to practice personal injury lawyer. He's been a lawyer for more than 60 years. Uh, so he's 87 and still a trial lawyer, still tries cases. Out there in West Virginia? Yes. Wow. Yep. What part of West Virginia are you from? Uh, Charleston, capital oh. city. Oh, that's great. And then, so did you end up graduating from high school out there? Yep, I graduated high school from Charleston and then uh, went to college in Ohio and law school in Ohio in Columbus here, actually, and started law clerking for a personal injury firm in Columbus during law school and uh, stayed here. And uh, my law firm uh, started about a little over 20 years ago. So how long have you been doing uh, investment fraud cases? So my uh, I started in 1998. I was a third year lawyer and my first case uh came in. I was working for somebody else at the time, but I took that case and that case led me to opening my own firm to focus on investor claims. So um, although your office is in Ohio, you say you have offices in Michigan and California. Are, are you able to handle cases throughout the 50 states? Yeah, so investor claims is a much different type of case than a, a typical dispute. So cases against financial advisors are not pursued through court. So if you have a potential claim against your financial advisor, you can't call up a local lawyer and just file a lawsuit in court because everyone who opens an account with a brokerage firm or financial advisor in the in, in the back pages that nobody reads of the uh, contract, the new account documents, there's a mandatory arbitration provision. Um, and this has been upheld since uh, the 80s by the Supreme Court. So if you ever and you agree by opening an account and you can't get out of it, but you agree that uh, if you ever have a dispute with your broker or financial advisor, that you give up your right to go to court and you go through mandatory arbitration. So we're securities arbitration lawyers. And uh, because because it's done through mandatory arbitration, through the regulatory 
uh, authority called FINRA. These cases are pursued through the FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. It's a nationwide practice. So we represent investors from all across the country, over a thousand investors over the last 20 years. So you're able to go, for example, and you could handle uh, a case in New York City, an uh, uh, arbitrator case in New York City or Massachusetts or Montana or anywhere. Yes. So uh, a couple states have some have some uh, guidelines and, and we have lawyers that are that are also licensed in other states as well. But yes, we have a nationwide practice and we get inquiries and referrals and cases from all over the country. It usually starts with a phone call. We might do a Zoom conference call, do it over the phone or via video conference, get the information from the client. We do a lot of this uh, remotely through secure email and document exchange. And the case is actually filed electronically. So you don't go to court and file a case. You file the case electronically uh, through FINRA's dispute resolution process. And then the process is all done through telephone, conference calls, video conferencing. And then ultimately there's a hearing. And these cases take about 12 to 14 months. But the hearing, if it doesn't settle before then, is actually done in the city in the city where the investor resides. So we do travel to the city for a final hearing if the case isn't settled beforehand. And and um, other than your your 22 years of experience of doing these type of cases, what type of uh, training or certificates do you have to get anything else other than your law license? So I do have a, a master's in tax, but that's not required for this type of work. So uh, no, it's just it's just the experience of, of doing these cases over 20 years. We've got six lawyers here. We've done a tremendous amount of these cases. We have a whole bench of lawyers and experts and work with mediators. So it's just the team we put together over the course of that 20 plus years that allows us to do, you know, this, this good work for our clients. So you, you live in Columbus? I live, uh, yes, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Oh, great. And so tell me a little bit, are, are, you have a family? Yep. I've got uh, two kids. I've got a son who's a senior in high school that uh, is about to, uh, next fall, I get to start uh, at at uh, Emory University. He's a swimmer, so he's joining the swim team at Emory University. And then my daughter is a sophomore in high school uh, here in Columbus. That's great. And then, um, what about the uh, uh, you as a kid? What, what what's what were some of your 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 things that you did as a high schooler or college? What were some of your hobbies or interests? Yeah, so I played tennis in high school. I was in the band in high school. Uh, and in, in college, just uh, just going to school, joined a fraternity. I did pick up juggling, <laughs> so that was kind of my hobby. Uh, in fact, uh, now that we're in the uh, coronavirus uh, quarantine, uh, I've got my kids uh, uh, tried to get them involved in juggling, juggling uh, 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 bowling pins, uh, juggling pins, and fire torches, and all kinds of stuff. So trying to uh, have some fun in the uh, coronavirus quarantine time. How long does it take to learn to be a juggler? So that's a great question. I actually learned in high school, and there's a book, uh, and I'm sure it's still there. It's called Juggling for Dummies, and it's a, a book that I ordered. It actually came with three beanbags, uh, and it was a simple process of learning. You take one beanbag and throw it from hand to hand, then you take two and alternate, and then you add a third one, and that's how I learned to juggle. And then you move from there to uh, the juggling pens, which are obviously not as heavy as, as actual bowling pens. They're lightweight. Um, and so I was actually just doing this this week with my kids. So the difference between juggling a beanbag, which is obviously the it, you can it doesn't need to turn or twist. You just need to get it from one hand to the next. 
when you move to like a juggling pin or something called rubber chickens uh that we we juggle also (laughs) is you have they they have to twist so not only do you have to get it from one arm to one hand to the next they have to twist and turn so you catch the right end and then the next stage is moved to torches because then they they of course they they twist and they turn but you got to be careful to catch the right side right Wow. And, and, um, are there any videos of David Meyer that are on the internet somewhere? Uh, no, I don't think so. Luckily, uh, my, the highlight of my juggling career was pre, uh, YouTube, I think. Uh, but I do have a good story that the night, my first official date with my now wife of 22 years, I did juggle fire, uh, for her or in front of her. And I'm not sure that's what, uh, <laughs> Got her hooked, but uh, that is the story that uh, I did juggle fire for my wife in our first official date over 20, well, 24 years ago now. So um, <laughs> exciting stuff. Married 20, 20 some years. And uh, I know that um, you and I are both law firm owners and, um, you know, uh, we, we both enjoy doing that. And, and that's how we met. Um, one of the things that, that I've always found is that... Uh, you know, we may have business partners or, or people that work with us, but there's nothing like that first time that you opened up your law firm and you talked to your wife and your wife said, let's go for it. How, tell us about that, how, how that went. So that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and it's a story I remember uh, and I think about quite a bit. This was actually 1999. And uh, I had one case uh, that was going on that turned into a, a really big case, a class action against Prudential. Uh, but I started that when I was a third year associate at a law firm. I took that case with me with my boss's blessing. And I decided I was going to be the lawyer in the Midwest that suits stockbrokers. Well, depending how old everybody is, in 1999, remembers the stock market was screaming high, going way up, uh, sort of like what how it has been from 2009 up until about a month ago in early 2020. Uh, and everyone said, David, how are you ever going to make a living, you know, uh, suing stockbrokers and financial advisors for misconduct when the market's going straight up? So I, I did it and I opened up my firm in December 1999. And then about two or three months uh, after I turned the lights on and plugged the computers on, uh, the dot com uh, crash occurred and I had about 150 cases instantly. So, um, you know, I had some help. I brought in some some lawyers that had some more experience than I did at the time. And uh, that's, you know, but, but there was a long time we, we weren't making any money. So my wife was a teacher. She taught uh, English and American literature high school uh, to seniors uh, for about uh, 12 years or so. And we were living on her salary and I wasn't making any money. And I was I was by myself and, uh, and I grew it from there. And now we've got six lawyers and uh, uh, about 10 team members. Uh, and, you know, we, we built it from there. But uh, and I'm sure you have a similar story. Uh, but it's it was scary and uh, and exhilarating, and it's it's been a it's been a uh, you know a great run for me over the twenty some years, and I'm looking forward to another thirty years, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like my just like my dad. Yeah. So I uh, you know I, I I always think you know I always talk about you know I'm I'm uh, one of ten kids and uh, the ninth one, and um, my dad was a social worker, and my mom stayed at home, and uh, we didn't really have a lot of money. But I, I remember, you know, just just um, when my wife and I sat down and and back in 1996 and and we were sitting there and I worked for defense firms. I worked for uh, insurance defense firms. And um, 
I, I made the decision along with another fellow that we were going to go out and, and represent people. And um, I remember sitting there talking to my wife about it. And it was the same old, same thing that you're talking about. It was a, it was a leap off a cliff and uh, I don't regret it one bit. I, um, one of the things that I've, I've learned over the years is that um, you make a lot of friends when you open up a, a law firm and, and you meet people, you know, like you who do the, have a similar type of story and there's an instant bond. Yep. It's just wonderful to be able to wake up every day and go to work and just have the, the, the passion for what you're doing. Uh, you know, everyone talks about uh, you should you know do your passion and, and that you should be a career. Well, it's hard for a lot of people to figure out what you're passionate about. And also being able to be passionate about something and also be able to support your family is challenging too. And, you know, uh, folks like you and I are just incredibly fortunate to have found a, a way to, uh, to, to earn a living and have a career where you can support your family, do great work uh, and, and support your, you know, have something, uh, a place for your, your employees and your staff to earn a living and, and support themselves and, and do great work. I mean, it's, you know, the practice of law is, is challenging, obviously, and uh, it's, it's, it's extremely competitive and it's, uh, you know, it's a very high rate of depression among lawyers uh, because we all deal with everyone's problems, right? With they, you know, people that are doing great you know, things in our world uh, and in your world, obviously, the people that come to you are, are suffering from devastating losses. And, you know, in your world, it's 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 a personal injury. In my world, it's an economic loss, a devastating economic loss, and uh, so that, you know, that's stressful. And there's a lot on our shoulders, uh, and it's 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 great to be able to be in a position to help people through that. Uh, it's gratifying and it, it just obviously it's it makes us all feel good and we're all fortunate enough to be in the position to do that. Tell me about tell me about that. That's that's a really important point that you make that uh, there's a, there's a lot of folks in our profession that uh, hit, hit some hit some tough times with respect to, you know, um, uh, alcohol, drugs, infidelity, that type of thing. Um, how do you, David Meyer? Uh, deal with the stress of the practice and, and how do you handle that personally? How, how does it make, how do you make yourself the most effective person for your clients? That's such a good question. And, and, and I'm, I'm an optimistic, positive person by nature. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a dichotomy. I'm in the litigation business. I sue bad stockbrokers. That's what I do. So I'm, I'm a litigator. Uh, you know, it's an adversary system. We're advocating and fighting on behalf of our clients, but, at the same time, I'm an optimistic, positive person, and and so I, I, I'm always trying just to remain positive. Yeah, having a lot of help, uh, both professionally and at home. I've got my great family that 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 supports me at home, uh, so I got a great support system there. I've got a, an unbelievable support system here, and when you've got team members and partners and lawyers uh, that can help spread out, you know, the difficult work, um, and 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 at the, at the the gut of it is I know that in my heart, I'm doing good work for people uh, that need the help. And so that's satisfying. So, I mean, I hope that answers your question. But in my mind, that it's a combination of all that uh, that just allows that gives me the opportunity to to be positive because I'm doing good work and I've got a great team that supports me. And hopefully I'm a, a good supporter of my team, both here and at home. So I like to talk to people uh, that I interview 
um, I know that they've had a, a number of defining moments in their life, uh, both professionally and personally. But um, I'm wondering if you could share with us a, um, a defining moment in your personal life that, that, that you carry with you, um, you know, uh, w- with you in your professional life. Well, probably the, the most, uh, uh, the biggest uh, personal issue is, you know, when I was a kid, my parents were divorced and I had a pretty rough uh, home life and we, we never went hungry. We always had food on our table uh, and there was no physical abuse or anything like that. So it certainly could have been a lot more difficult, but, uh, you know, step family and step siblings and, and parent issues, uh, you know, that was, and, and so when I, when I was growing up, I, I believed in, for me is I needed to to step out of there and I needed to have stability in my life when I grew up. And I knew that, so I was, I was looking for a stable family environment. Uh, and I think I've achieved that uh, with a wonderful wife and, and, and my family structure. Um, so that from a personal standpoint is what I always wanted because it was uh, there's a fair amount of adversity uh, growing up uh, in, in my environment that I wanted to try to minimize, you know, if I could, so that was that was always in the back of my mind to to try to build that from a, a family standpoint, and then for professionally, it, it, seeing my father uh, as a personal injury lawyer. I mean, and there was years he didn't make any money. There's years he did really well. But I I always I went to his office a lot, and at, at the highlight at the at the high point of of his career, I was in high school, and he had a firm about the same size as my firm now. Um, I never worked for my dad. Um, and, and he never pressured me to do it, but you know he had at some point 10, 15 lawyers, a big law firm, a big office, and and I would go in there in high school and college and just see that the people that he was helping uh, that needed help and needed access to justice, needed somebody to fight for them. Uh, in his case, he was fighting insurance companies um, and 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 hospitals and the healthcare system uh, for people that you know medical malpractice claims and personal injury claims, and so I knew that 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 was fulfilling work for him and he was doing great work. And I knew I wanted to do that more from a representing people that, that were suffering, you know, economic hard from corporate greed. Uh, but I, you know, those, those are sort of two of my backbones, both professionally and personally. Are, are there any specific cases that stand out in your career that, that, Hey, that you're really proud of that, 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 that were ones that, uh, that you would say, Hey, listen, um, I really feel good walking down the street because I helped out these people. So the first case I ever had, I was 28 years old, third year lawyer. The, the case that started my career walked in as, as one gentleman. It was a retiree uh, in a suburb of Columbus who'd worked his entire life. Uh, and when uh, he retired, he had entrusted his entire life savings to a financial advisor at Prudential Securities uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio. And he came to, he was referred to my boss at the time. I was, a, I was doing actually tax work uh, for, uh, on behalf of people that were having problems with the IRS. Uh, and he was referred to my boss and my boss turned him away because we, he, that firm at the time didn't do investment fraud cases. I actually ran into him as he was walking out. I was going to the restroom. I mean, this is the most defining moment in my professional career. <laughs> I just bumped into him, literally ran into him. And I asked him who he was. And he said, I've been to three lawyers. I can't find anyone to help me. I've really suffered some significant financial loss as a result of some unauthorized trading by my broker. So I sat down with them. I had no idea about anything, about investment fraud, stockbroker, obligations, none of that. And I, I just started doing some research, and I realized that this didn't happen just to him, but it happened to hundreds of others. So we took the case, and uh, long story short, 
a case took seven years. Uh, we ended up at a jury trial for three weeks in state court in Ohio and got a jury verdict of $261 million on behalf of those 250 retirees, which at the time and still today remains to be the largest jury verdict in Ohio's history. So, uh, and there was appeals and reductions, but at the end of the day, every one of those clients recovered more than 100% of their losses plus attorney's fees and interest. So uh, that was my first case and <laughs> probably the most defining case of, of my career. Uh, one word on that one. Wow. Um, so uh, good thing you had to go to the bathroom, huh? Yeah, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that turned out, you know, that's just so I do believe that for most people, opportunity presents itself. Uh, and there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, had I taken a left versus a right, my life would have been different. Right. Um, but you know, it's a, a lot of times it's opportunity that presents itself, but the people that take the, they make the decision to step through the door, open that door. Um, I mean, I could have obviously done a lot of different things. Um, and you know, to, in, in my mind, the fact that I took that step and, uh, went through uncharted territory for me, I didn't know anything about it, but I was interested in trying something new and, and trying to help them. And it, it obviously you know, that worked out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's amazing how things like that happen. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, my firm belief that, um, that we don't meet anybody by accident. Um, and every person that we meet, whether it's at the grocery store or in court or anywhere in lock in, in, in life that we're either going to be a plus to that person or a minus to that person. And, uh, it sounds to me like you were a plus to those 250, uh, prudential people. And I still hear from some of them. Um, and uh, so that I, I really, I really, obviously, that was a big part of my life. And I've been able to help a lot more after that. I mean, a, a lot of retirees, a lot of people who have just suffered devastating losses that we've been fortunate enough to represent and help. Um, it's just, it's, it's really, uh, it feels great to be in that position. I will tell you, it seems like there's a lot of, lot less of new lawyers coming into the field, whether it's plaintiff personal injury, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, plaintiff representing people in plaintiff's work. There seems to be a lot, a lot less young lawyers. I am president elect of the Ohio trial lawyers association called Ohio association of justice. And what we're seeing is in Ohio. And I think this is just part of what's going on across the country. We're seeing a lot less younger lawyers uh, getting into the profession on behalf of plaintiffs. And it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but uh, I really hope that we can encourage more young lawyers uh, and even lawyers that are more experienced that may be unhappy doing what they're doing, an opportunity to explore this because there's a lot of people that need help. There's a lot of people who are denied access to justice, who need lawyers like us to step up for them and 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 fight for them. And uh, I hope that uh, we can tr change this tide and get more young lawyers and other lawyers uh, to uh, start and, 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 and get invested in this practice. One of the things um, that um, listeners are, are going to want to know is the economics of, of dealing with you, David. So, um, for example, um, let's get this out of the way because I, I think it's really important. How can people reach you? So, they can reach us several ways. Our website, we've had a website for 20 years called InvestorClaims.com. It's one word, investor, singular, claims, plural, InvestorClaims.com. And there's a whole host of information about uh, our firm. Uh, we have tons of videos. 
uh, about our practice areas, uh, frequently asked questions, the nature of the claims that we handle. Um, so that's the best resource. And on that website, we have our phone number and, and email. And any one of your listeners can call me directly at my office line. It's 614-358-3283. And uh, our contact information is on the website. But that's the best source of information. We've been building that site for nearly 20 years. So there's a lot of resources so, there. Um, say somebody uh, got involved with a uh, – I, I know I, I see sometimes I see these professional – athletes they get caught up with some of these folks that lose all their money um in really aggressive stocks when they should be uh, you know trying to to diversify or that type of thing say that somebody wants to call you and, and and have a consultation with you how much does that cost them yeah so we do we don't charge at all for any kind of consultations we have a claims analyst in-house plus the lawyers are obviously available for consultation so all of our case reviews, consultation, there's no charge for that. We handle all of our cases on a contingency fee. We don't charge a retainer. So if, if we think this is a case where we can recover losses for our, our client, we'll offer representation that all this is, of course, in writing, purely a contingency fee. And then if we recover, the, the fee is a, a, about 35% of what we recover, uh, plus any expenses we advance. And if we go through all this and then if there's no recovery, then there's no fee and we absorb the expenses that we've paid on behalf of the client. So hold on a second here. I, I, I've lost a million dollars. I don't know where to go. Uh, I, I know that my financial advisor didn't make the right move. All I got to do is call invest, go to investorclaims.com and you'll actually analyze all the documents, sit down with me, and I won't pay you a nickel unless you recover for me. That's correct. That sounds like a pretty good deal, David. Yeah. And we've seen just about everything that, that can happen in this business we've seen. So, you know, in a 10 or 15 minute phone call, um, you know, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time or the prospective client's time if I can't help them. And because we've seen, we've literally seen everything. I've seen all kinds of lying and cheating and stealing. I've seen every scenario possible. We've had claims against every major brokerage firm. So, it, you know, it, this is not going to take a tremendous amount of, of the potential client's time because we've seen uh, so much. And, you know, and so and, and there's also no opportunity to lose more money. Uh, now, look, you can't sue your broker just because the stock market goes down. Uh, there's got to be underlying misconduct. But, but we know how to analyze that. And determine if you know if that's like yeah, the case. you know, in my business um, of the uh, when I'm suing, you know, uh, a large trucking company for somebody that's either you know fix the books or driving too much or or you know a lot of these these trucking cases that I have, the driver has only been driving for a month and was never trained or. Uh, you know, there, there, there's always something that falls through the cracks, and, and that's where we get involved. We, we, we find out that, you know, when we we deal with insurance companies, 90, you know, 5, 96% of the time, they're doing the right thing. It's just those ones that are, are the bad apples or they fall through the cracks. And that's when, the way I look at it, we're, we're helping the defendant do the right thing and make sure that they compensate the the folks that have been hurt and so that's that's kind of my approach to it i i don't know if it's yours 
Yeah, Joe. So you might be surprised to know that a lot of our cases are referred to us by actual by financial advisors. And people say, wait a minute, you sue the securities industry, you sue financial advisors. Why would they refer you cases? Well, we know that 95% of the financial advisors out there are doing their job correctly. They're recommending and implementing an appropriate investment portfolio for their clients. It's the 5% that are the problem. And the good brokers, the good advisors want to clean up their business. So, you know, when 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 lawyers that do what I do are getting those business, getting the bad brokers uh, you know, out of the system, that helps everybody. So, you know, lawyers like me, investment fund lawyers, are, we're dealing in the the five percent of the of the advisors that are lying, cheating, and stealing, and we're cleaning up the industry. So, the advisors uh, that that are that are doing the right doing right by their clients uh, are often our best source of of referrals because they understand. So, that. Um, I want to switch gears here, uh, David. So, uh, this is a pretty serious time right now in the country. Um, you know, we we've got this virus that's been the scourge of. Uh, throughout the world, uh, China, South Korea, Italy, especially, and now now it's coming here and has hit here. Um, I know that that um, New York's hit hard. Washington State, where I grew up, has been hit hard. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of thoughts do you have as a small business owner? Uh, do, do you have any thoughts for the the folks that? Um, are really struggling right now, how, how they can uh, make it through as, as a business owner? What, what kind of techniques are you using to, to help your team make it through this time? Well, as the owner of my firm, you know, my primary focus is our team here and making sure that, I mean, everybody's scared, right? Uh, as owners, we're nervous. Uh, as employees, they're nervous. Our families are nervous. So, you know, my job is to protect my family at home and protect my family here. So it's it's making sure everyone there's an open line of communication, explaining to everyone about uh, you know where we are. Obviously, because our business is representing investors who have claims against brokerage firms, you know we have a tremendous high volume of of inquiries now. So we're we're very busy, and we need to be able to do that remotely. And I need to make sure that we keep our lines of communication open. So I mean, obviously, every business is different. I've got a lot of friends you know, in the restaurant business that are, you know, obviously struggling, uh, but to protect, you know, my house, meaning my law firm and the employees that work here, uh, it's just making sure they understand that, uh, you know, that we're financially sound, uh, you know, we're prepared to, to go through this. We're going to help as many people as we can. Uh, but I want to make sure that everyone that's working here uh, gets their question answered and make sure they have an open line of communication with me as the owner. Great. And David, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Is there any final comments you'd like to make to any folks that are, are listening or are out there that are scared about the, they may have lost their life savings? And, yeah, and sure. So, here, you know, here we here we are. It's March 26th, 2020. Uh, and we're getting a lot of calls from from retirees or folks who are what I call near retirees. And they call and they say, you know, my portfolio was devastated by the the, the market crash caused by the coronavirus. And what, what we tell people is that, look, you can't sue your broker just because the market goes down. But the, the bottom line is that full service financial advisors, those folks that we hire to entrust our, our, our retirement, they are required to recommend and implement an investment strategy that's appropriate for each investor 
based on their age, their time horizon, their investment objectives, and, and their risk tolerance. At the end of the day, these financial advisors are risk managers. Um, all, markets go up and down all the time. It's not that they're supposed to have predicted the coronavirus. It's that markets go up and down all the time. And a properly diversified portfolio that's asset allocated among appropriate investments uh, should weather uh, storms like this. That's what they're required to do. That's what they're paid to do. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone who believes their advisor failed to perform those, those obligations. Um, and it's a scary time. And, but this is the time that financial advisors earn their money. As risk managers, they need to be prepared. They have to prepare their clients for these types Great. of things. Great. And uh, for our listeners, again, it's InvestorClaims.com, InvestorClaims.com. And David Meyer, who has a national practice in investor fraud cases. Thank you so much, David. And I appreciate talking to you. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the opening statement. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, you can email me at joseph at shannonlawgroup.com. Please subscribe and review if you enjoyed the show. I'll see you on the next episode.